Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. To the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find myself at StatsSAC uh, wherever you are on Twitter and wherever you enjoy uh, talking about Braves baseball. But I, I am in awe. It's not been the most fun of days when it comes to being a baseball fan, but it is It is an absolutely legendary night for me because I'm with the legend. The man, the myth, the legend, Brad <laughs> Rowland. Now, this isn't me and Brad's first time doing a podcast, but it is my first time talking Braves baseball with Brad Rowland. And I'm just, I'm in complete awe. How are you, Brad? You know what, Sean? We're hanging in there. I appreciate all of that. Uh, it's silly because <laughs> we, we talk all the time, but you're right. This is not the first time. This is actually the first time we've uh, talked about the Braves in this form. And uh, it's entirely my fault because I have offered to come on the hammer multiple times and then I have to change my schedule or whatever. And uh, you and I both do other jobs as well. So I appreciate your flexibility. And uh, I wish it was under better circumstances, I suppose, because it's not the most fun day, as you alluded to a second ago. But here we are talking baseball. Of course, I want to remind you, as always, you can find the the Daily Hammer, obviously Brad, Scott, and Eric, all the great crew that do do the Battery Power podcast, obviously the Road to Atlanta podcast, Battery Power on YouTube with Grant McCauley and Corey McCartney, all as part of the Battery Power podcast network, batterypower.com, Battery Power SBN across all forms of social media. And when I say all that to certainly let you know to subscribe, because we still have plenty of things to talk about but unfortunately, Brad, one thing that we're not going to be able to talk about un- without knowing when it's going to happen is baseball. Today, it was announced that a deadline that had been made for 5 p.m. Eastern that was moved from last night at midnight, the hope was there, momentum was there. And then just as the afternoon came along, we found out that any momentum that had been created yesterday just was not there today. And unfortunately, we have now seen games canceled in the regular season just your overall thoughts from last night to today just kind of break it down for us what are your thoughts on a what just was an unfortunate day yeah I mean it's not like it was totally unexpected on some level you know there was uh I won't go too too deep into this but there were uh some interesting uh frames let's just say shared on Monday evening uh depending on who you asked or who you were following on Twitter, I, I would say notably not the top newsbreakers, like not your Jeff Passens, not your Evan Drellich's and Ken Rosenthal's, but like the next, the, the next tier of guys that were sharing some, I think some posturing optimism. Uh, still, I was, my resting state is pessimism. And I think, you know, the headliner, like you just said, is uh, the loss of official games at this point. And, you know, I, I use the, the word official loosely, but in this case, you know, Manfred comes out and says that they've uh, canceled the first two series. And um, with that, I guess now in play, and they've been removed from MLB.com as of this, as of this point on Tuesday evening, this is now going to be the fourth time in history that 
regular regular season games are going to be canceled. So that's the headliner. I'm just not too surprised. You know, there's in my mind, I've said a number of times, but there's this like mythical deadline that the owners have put on this whole thing and they extended the mythical deadline until Tuesday. It was supposed to be Monday. Now it's Tuesday evening, but none of that is real. I think that's important to drive that point home. Like there's nothing that says this has to be the deadline. This is an owner driven league driven lockout. Um, they are setting the terms and they know that they can sell it to certain parts of the fan base that don't like the fact that players make a lot of money, et cetera. We can do the whole thing if we want to, but I think it's just important to note that like, this is, this is on the owners first and foremost. I know that's kind of opinion, but it's also kind of just logistics as well. Like they put the lockout in, they are uh, driving the ship on this one. And yes, there's some negotiating to be done. And we get into sort of what, what was exchanged and the offers today. And um, famously, uh, although they, they denied this by the way, but I guess the league, reportedly gave their quote best and final offer on Tuesday, which they've said they didn't didn't say, but um, yeah, we're in this weird spot now. We're like, they're going to keep talking. I think they have to keep talking at some point, but they're now not going to be in the same place for a while. And we're back to this weird limbo mode. Yeah. And, and the thing that stands out to me is that like, it just goes again to show, as you mentioned that the owners have the leverage here, right? Like the players just have very little leverage. I don't like to put it this way, but it's almost like the owners are toying with the players. It's like, sure, we know that you want to get it down done. We're going to put effort here. We're going to, we're going to, you know, put a, put on a face, you know, to show that we, you know, quote unquote care, but we're only going to actually get something done if you wind up considering and then agreeing to our terms, which by the way, by far benefit us more than you. It's just the players are kind of to a point to where we know the leverage is all in the owner's, you know, possession here, Brad. But at what point do the players kind of start to be like, okay, we didn't accept this deal. When does that pressure really start to kick in on the player side to where they have even less leverage than the little they do now? It's a good question. I mean, I think that there's, that the owners are, I'm sure, hoping and deep down, they know they have the deeper pockets and all of that stuff. This is the classic negotiating CBA kind of thing where like, you know, if it comes down to just the, the dollars and cents of it all, um, how strong is the union? How how willing and how tight are they together? And right now, you know, they reportedly uh, declined the offer unanimously today. So they're, they're sticking together and all of that stuff right now. But that's always where this, like where the breaking point is. It's, it's very rare that the ownership side, at least in baseball, is the one that gives, you know, famously, it's been, this is just sort of the objective measure that the players have not done very well on the last couple of CBAs in baseball. And I think they know that probably deep down, they're trying to get a little bit, a little bit of that back at this point, but it's hard to do that all in one, all in one go. And um, while I kind of side with them at this point in time, the owners do know that they have the leverage here because they, they did the lockout. They have all the tools at their disposal. They have the deep pockets Etc. So it's kind of a staring contest. And I mean, you're probably right. And you're framing there just like, like, how much pain do they want to inflict? And, you know, I think that baseball, you know, because not acting in the best interest of the game right now, which for me, a different, a different argument for another day. But um, in terms of just their wallets, they know they have some, uh, they have some ammunition over the players. And uh, we'll see how long this goes. And like I said, they're not going to be in the same room. At least they haven't scheduled to be in the same room for a while now. And they had this like marathon of a week plus. But even before that, it's also worth remembering that the owners and the commissioner side, all that, that side of the aisle, so to speak, they waited a long time before starting up the negotiations, which we've, we've all talked about this a number of times, but given that they waited 
forever, basically like half of the negotiating window of 90 days that it's been so far. And today's, I believe, I believe day 90, almost half of that went without a single offer from the, from the, uh, from the league side, which to have that be the reality and then come back with their setting deadlines. And they're the ones that lock the players out. It's just pretty naked in terms of like what the uh, incentive structure looks to be here on the owner's side. And it's frustrating from the outside because we all just want baseball to happen. But I also deep down don't want the players to just get run over either. I mean, I, I understand that most fans just want baseball to happen. And I, I do understand that for sure. But objectively, like when I take a step back and I'm not an expert on this by any means, but what, what I can parse is that, yeah, the owners just have the pain tolerance that the players may not have. And so when it, when it comes to that pain tolerance, you know, I think tolerance is a, is a, is a key word here, you know, cause you know, basically I guess both sides are kind of, they tolerated each other for much of this week trying to make something happen, but Brad, you know, like I said, not getting too deep into this, but you know, at some point, multiple times this week, it felt like there was at least some progression. It felt like that there was at least some basis to where they can actually negotiate or where they may be able to compromise. When you look at the different things that are being discussed, the, the, the collective bargaining tax, draft compensation, the arbitration pools, playoffs, all those different things, is there one or two things that, that stand out to you where you're like, okay, if we could just get some common ground here established, a foundation here, this is the key to the foundation that can lay the groundwork for something to happen. Of the topics being discussed, are there one or two things that, that you're really focused on that you're hoping those could be, you know, the start to something good? It may be a deal getting done down the line. It's interesting because it feels like in the reporting that was out there in the last couple of days that they do have some common ground on a lot of things like the, the DH stuff, like all the kind of baseball related stuff, aside from maybe the playoff size, that's been one thing that's negotiated. It's like, you know, whether it's 12 or 14 and I'm on record repeatedly as wanting less than 12 and less than 14 and less than 10 even in the playoffs. But that, I think I've pretty much lost that battle at this point. But I do think by all, by all accounts, it's, it's really the other, it's really the money. It's going to be the, the, the sticking point here. And whether that's the, the competitive balance tax or whether that's the pre-arbitration pool or the minimum salary, you know, that seems to be where the real differences are. And I think the closest one of those things right now, at least on paper, appears to be the minimum salary. And it's fairly close. Like the, the last offer from, from both sides is the owner is wanting 700,000 as the minimum with $10,000 increases per season. And the players want 725 with $20,000 per season increases. And that is not as close as it might seem, but it's still, that's probably the closest thing that I could see them coming together on maybe first, but they're way far apart on the pre-arbitration pool. They're not close on, this, on the CBT th tax threshold. So maybe those are the ones that are kind of the, the last ones that have to come in and they land somewhere in the middle, but by all accounts, it is really money. Like the stuff on the, on the outside is kind of window dressing the, the, the competitive balance stuff aside from money, the, you know, the DH, the playoff, the playoff thing does matter because the owners clearly want 14 teams, but it was reported today, I believe it was by Andrew, Andrew Marshand that the 14 team pool of playoffs has a hundred million dollars a year in TV revenue. And the, and the 12 team pool has $85, sorry, $85 million a year. And that sounds like a lot of money because it is $15 million is a lot of money, but across 30 teams, that's a half a million dollars a year. Like, what are we even arguing about at that point in time? If it's about the money, that's not, that's basically a rounding error is the way that I would describe that. So uh, I guess top line thought is like the money is what is driving this very clearly. And I think if you're trying to find something they're maybe the closest on, it might be the minimum salary, but none of these are particularly close right now. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And so, of course, you know, the thing that I will say is this, is that Rob Manfred, and I don't mean this as a positive as any way towards him at all. <laughs> you, you mentioned these things that potentially they could be close on, but Manfred is not, you know, he, he stuck with his word. You know, he moved spring training back. Now we've seen the first two series of the season canceled. You know, Brad, I, I guess my question to you is, and the answer to this may just be, it's, you simply don't know, like, where do we go from here? You just talked about, where we could possibly have, you know, a, a bridge built that we just need to finish. We need to finish this one bridge, and then that can lead to something. But where do we go from here? Is it going to be more games potentially canceled to bring them back to negotiate like they did this week once again? Or, or do they build off this and continue the same energy? I, to be honest with you, I kind of can see both things happening. Do you sway one way or the other? Are we going to see more of the season canceled before we get anywhere, you know, closer to where we are now? Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say that they probably will go deeper into the schedule. I hope that doesn't happen. But right now, you know, the Braves have lost this four-game series in Miami, and they've lost a two-game series of the Mets on the road. They're now scheduled, quote-unquote, at least the soft schedule to open at home on April 7th against the Reds. And I would love that to be the case. You know, obviously, with the Braves winning the World Series, bringing that home, starting at home would be a lot of fun on April 7th, despite all this stuff. But I think if you just go by what's happened so far and – how not that close they are right now. And without the scheduled bargaining sessions on the books, the smart money, so to speak, would probably be on them delaying this even further. Now, the players are saying all the right things in particular. They're saying they want to to keep talking. Um, We could definitely talk about the uh, the two sides and sort of the tone uh, this evening on Tuesday about all the stuff, like Rob Manfred kind of like smiling and laughing on the podium did not sit well with a lot of people nor should it because it was uh, not the right tone to strike if you're Rob Manfred in this moment. But I think that you're hoping that they're back together somewhere, whether that be, you know, pick your, pick a spot somewhere in the next couple of days they're, and they're talking again. But they had this, you know, very common area in a stadium in Florida and they don't have that, at least on the books right now. And I guess the hope is, I think that could kind of be overstated, like how much you need that. But I think that at the end of the day, if they make a deal, it's going to be coming out of some extensive negotiations. They're not just close enough to make one phone call and have this thing all come to an end. And I think because of how long that might take and sort of the lack of urgency to this point, at least before the last couple of days, before the last couple of days, maybe the last couple of days that they've been pretty urgent before that they were so slow to act on the owner's side that I have to guess that they canceled more games. And I hope that's not true, but that's kind of where I am right now. And then, Brad, the last thing that I'll ask is this is, you know, again, and it's just kind of hard to know with where we stand right now. But, you know, I know the if a deal, for instance, would have been struck today and then they would have started the season on regular time, that time frame probably really isn't going to change in terms of actual length from when a deal is done to when they'll start the season. But as we go further along and if more games are canceled, 
What impact do you think that will have on the minimal offseason that we have before spring training starts? Because I imagine a deal eventually gets done, but we're going to have this small offseason where it occurs. How does that impact things now that the season is getting canceled? Are we going to see some of these free agent players probably take shorter term deals and then look to the future to potentially get paid? I guess we'll see with the fallout from the lockout. Do you see that drastic of a change for like a Freddie Freeman, for instance, goes and signs a lucrative one year, you know, two year deal somewhere because the season is in so much chaos now. And then, you know, bets he'll get a big payday down the line. Or do we see in general these bigger name free agents that are out there on the market, you know, take shorter term deals? It just seems like that the, you know, there's a chance to where we may not get as majestic of an offseason as we had hoped for now that this is going to go further into the regular season. Do you see it making any type of impact like that? on the offseason when stuff actually gets going again? We're all guessing for sure on this, but I think that at least in my experience when it's like weird conditions, like for instance, the you know two years ago conditions with, with the pandemic everything and everything like that, it was the top guys were not really affected. Like Freddie being the elite player that he is, I think that he will have his pick of very lucrative offers. And I think it's more that second tier that might want to act quickly and take shorter deals and just get back on the market when things are more normalized. But in terms of like the, the absolutely absolute top guys, your Correa's, your Freddie's, I would still bet that they probably want to cash in right now, particularly for Freeman, given his age, not that he's super old, but you know, he's been really good for a long time, but eventually he's going to start declining. You don't know when that's going to happen. And I think if you're his agent, if you're him, you want to just get this over with, sign a long-term deal when you're going to sign it and get it out of the way. Um, so yeah, I think it, the top guy is probably unaffected if I had to guess, but there will be an absolute scramble and somebody in the middle is going to get squeezed, whether it's, you know, pick, pick a player X, if you want to have, whoever you want to think about, that's not an absolute elite guy. The, you know, the, like I guess the musical chairs is the analogy. Like someone's going to be left out without the deal that they want. And rather than just like holding out for a deal that, you know, that your Dallas Keuchel kind of deal that you sign in the middle of the season, a guy might just take a like sort of that parachute contract, get, get that $10 million one year deal, go back on the market a year from now when things are more stabilized, but it is going to be chaos. Whenever that actually happens, we've known that for a while, but now, especially they're going to have to hurry this thing along whenever they do find a deal, whether it's this week or next week or a month from now, they're going to have to really try to get as many games in as possible. And that means a quick turnaround, both in spring training and ramp up and also in getting guys into camps, because yeah, if they announce today, they have a deal, which they're not doing, obviously um, you, the guys who are under contract could show up tomorrow in theory but if you don't have a contract you can't play baseball and if you're a pitcher in particular if you don't have a contract you got to wait till you sign and then you got to ramp up and then suddenly you're going into the season so it's going to be really weird and really maybe fun honestly if you're people like us that do this stuff every single day once the deal is signed it's going to be chaos in a good way probably but until then everybody holds their breath Brad, I'm not sure. I know for several of our fellow members over over at Battery Power, I you know especially Demetrius Bell, you know we're fans of wrestling, and this this feels like <laughs> one of those old '90s lead ups to a big pay per view in the middle of the year. You've got this saga. It feels like we're going through one of those big television spots where they play like five minutes of the history over the past few months leading up to a pay per view. So I'm going to give you a choice here, okay? Rob Manfred. And Max Scherzer in an <laughs> unsanctioned UFC match, or Rob Manfred and Max Scherzer in a Hell in a Cell match. Brad Rowland, which do you prefer? Which gets the deal done faster? 
Ooh, uh, this is not my area of expertise, Sean. I got to be honest with you, but uh, I am in my limited dealings. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say the hell in a cell option just for, uh, for the, for the aesthetics. And I, I know there were some rumblings that uh, I guess ownership didn't love Max Scherzer's approach to negotiating. So I'm, I'm not rooting for more Max Scherzer, if that makes sense. My, me reading that was like, oh, I want more Max at this point. I want, uh, and less, less uh, Rob Manfred at all times, but especially like Scherzer is kind of a crazy person in a good way. And I think him, him just being in the mix overall, whether it be uh, in the ring, in a cage, et cetera, I'm, uh, I'm pro Max Scherzer getting in the mix here. That's, that, that's, where, that's, my, that's, the, that's where I have the expertise, let's just say, at least to uh, some degree, and I'll leave the wrestling to you guys. But uh, what do you think? Well, I think that if, you know, all that Rob Manfred considers the World Series trophy to be is just a piece of metal, a random piece of metal, <laughs> imagine how much of a disadvantage he is in a cage of metal. But we'll leave it at that. Brad, this has been an absolute joy. Uh, it, it's always good getting to talk sports with you. Again, I wish it was under better, better circumstances. But, sir, it's a pleasure to have you. And as always, I'd love to have you again at some point. Thanks for taking the time to to talk us through it, and hopefully uh, here in the near future, the next time we get to talk, it'll be some Braves baseball. Sean, we'll absolutely do it. My apologies for it taking this long to talk to you in this format. You will, no uh, you and I will, be, you and I'll be talking in the near future. I can, all, I can assure you of that. And uh, let's hope it's about baseball games rather than CBA negotiation. Because I, I know I'll speak for me, and I, I think I can speak for you too, as someone who's even is doing even more content than I am on a daily basis. I really like for there to not be any more negotiations. Let's, let's just play some baseball. Yeah, yeah. At, at the very least, you have Trey Young and I have John Morant, but that's a that's a sport for another time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Brad Rowland is his name. Obviously, he needs no introduction. Host of the Battery Power Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman, host of the Daily Hammer Podcast. You can check the Battery Power Podcast, Daily Hammer Podcast, Road to Atlanta Podcast, all as a part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. Find us at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, Battery Power on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button everywhere to enjoy the content. For Brad Rowland, my name's Sean Coleman. This has been The Daily Hammer. Hopefully next time we'll have better news to talk about. Have a great day. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.